you're listening to the Sojourn Montrose Sermon Podcast. To get connected at Sojourn Montrose, visit our website, sojournmontrose.org. So if you've been around Sojourn for any amount of time, you know that we are really convinced that when we read the Bible, and most especially when we read the narrative accounts in the Gospels, that, that things are happening in the text, but there is so much more going on than what we immediately see in the text. For instance, if we read John chapter 9 in the account of Jesus healing the blind man, it would be a story about Jesus healing a blind man, but it's also a story about how Jesus and faith in him brings true sight to those who are spiritually blind and, and to the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees at the time of Jesus. And so all of these things are happening in the midst of a story about Jesus healing a blind man. And on the face, today's text is a story that is primarily about Jesus healing a man with leprosy. And because the Bible is never only about what is on the surface, we might be tempted to say, well, this isn't really about a man with leprosy. And this is where we begin, I think, to get to the beauty and mystery of God's kingdom and the love of Jesus. Because this is a story about a man with leprosy. It's absolutely a story about him. It's also a story which illustrates the entire ministry of Christ from the beginning, uh, but from before the beginning of time until now in miniature. It's also a story about us and our need for redemption. It's a story about the cross, but this is certainly a story about the man with leprosy. And I want to make this point because here at Sojourn, and maybe especially in my preaching, we emphasize the way that the Bible addresses the church as a whole what it says about God's church as a family and as a covenant people in the collective sense. And I certainly stand by that. The Bible was written by God to be about God, but to be for His covenant people, first and foremost. The Bible is by God, about God, and for His people collectively. But this covenant people is made up of individual men, women, and children. And so while it is true that God has always desired to have a people for himself, to whom and through whom he would reveal his glory to the world, God also loves the individuals that make up that people. He sees them. He cares for them. He draws near to them. And so if you're a Christian in the room this morning, you are not loved by God only because of your membership in the church or because you have been part of the collective people for whom God came to save. You are loved because God loves you, and He chose to love you as part of the y'all. So let's look at the leprous man. And then we can zoom out and begin to see what the rest of the text has to say more broadly But let's read this in light of the fact that this is about Jesus' interaction with a man with leprosy. We don't know much about this man. We don't even really know what condition he had. There's a disease that we commonly call leprosy, but in the Jewish customs, 
leprous or to have leprosy was to lump together all sorts of various ailments, all sorts of diseases and skin conditions. In other words, to be a leper in the first century was to be sickly and infectious and a danger to society. I really think the best way for us to understand what it would be like societally to be a leper is to think about what it would be like maybe six months ago to be someone who was COVID positive. You are dangerous, you are unclean, you should be forced into isolation, and you probably did something wrong and deserved it. Lepers, figuratively speaking, come in all shapes and sizes in society. Some are lepers because of their skin color, some are lepers because of their gender or their political affiliation, some are lepers because of choices they made in their past and some because of the choices they make in the present. And even if you have never fallen into a societal group through which you would be treated as a leper, you have probably at one time or another felt like a leper. Unwanted, unclean, in pain, in isolation, desperate, unlovable. Some of you have felt this way in your own homes. Some of you have felt this way in the ways that you believe God or his people view you. But see, see, we are all like the leper. We are all unclean in ways. Spiritually, our sin and our shame and our doubts and our past make us so. And because of these things, we are unable to engage with God. We are forced into isolation from true life and true joy. We're left desperate and wanting. We're left desperate for something that will provide relief and hope and cleansing. And the reality is that this is true for all people and has been throughout all time. Some, however, never hear the good news of this man, Jesus Christ, who can heal them and transform them and restore them. Instead, they're introduced to any sort of remedy that's less satisfying or less helpful or more short-lived in its relief. Some are sold these false saviors and shallow religions in the marketplace. Sometimes these things are peddled by politicians. Sometimes they are direct temptations from Satan or from your own flesh. Or maybe we've just learned from our neighbors the things that we should take refuge in. But if you're in this room, you have the same opportunity as the leper in this text. By nature of being in this room at this moment, you have encountered and therefore you have the opportunity to call out to the true healer and the true purifier, Jesus Christ. And so as we consider this story, imagine that the leprous man is someone a lot more like you than maybe you initially did when we read the text. The text says a leper came to Jesus imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. The leper is desperate. And he comes to this man about whom the whole region that he's living in has been talking. This Jesus might be the Messiah. Some have said that, that maybe he's the son of God. And others are saying that he's a prophet. And the man with leprosy is likely convinced that a man like Jesus will do what everyone else has always done. Shun him and ignore him. 
but the leper has nothing to lose. And what's more, the leper seemingly has become a believer in this Jesus. He probably doesn't know exactly what he believes about Jesus. He probably doesn't know even what it means to believe in Jesus. But he believes that Jesus is powerful and that Jesus can heal him. And so he does the scariest thing possible for someone who is desperate. He speaks. He speaks honestly and openly about his belief and he cries out for help. What an act of courage. This could be for him a huge embarrassment. Maybe worse, it could be yet another disappointment in a long line of disappointments for him. Some of you, I imagine, are beginning to resonate more with the leper. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. Church, this isn't a request. This is a confession of faith. Jesus sees him, he hears him, and the text says that Jesus was moved with pity. He stretched out his hand and he touched him and he said to him, I will be clean. Jesus didn't tell the man to go away for fear of becoming infected. Jesus looked at the man full of impurity and disease and he had pity. He was moved with pity. Jesus had real empathy. He actually cared. He saw a suffering human and he cared. That in and of itself feels miraculous, this pity that Jesus had. And and it's really a, a very powerful thing for someone who is suffering to find another human being who actually has pity upon them. But pity, without real engagement, always ends up in disappointment. It's shallow and it's often humiliating. And Jesus knew this. And so he did the unthinkable. He touched the man and made him clean. The very last thing that someone with a leprous disease would expect is to be touched by someone else on purpose. Touching someone with leprosy is incredibly risky because it's an infectious disease, which we know is infectious. And to contract leprosy is to become ceremonially unclean, to become a social pariah, to to lose entry from the temple, to be forced to live outside of the city gates. And it would seem that Jesus could have healed him without touching him. Jesus could have acted in pity in a less risky and intimate way. But the love of God is not afraid to come into direct and dangerous contact with darkness and filth. Not even yours. Jesus was not afraid of being tainted by this unclean man. Instead, he engaged him and made him clean. So church, there is hope, like we sing, for all the poor and needy, all the sick and sore. Come, ye sinners, to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Come and find rest in the King of glory. Be healed by the God of life. Wherever you are in your life today as you sit in this room and in whatever ways you may feel like a leper, Christ sees you and when you call out to him, he will hear you. He will pity you in your lowliness, but not the sort of pity that creates in you more humiliation. The sort of true love-wrought pity that reaches out and touches that which formerly was understood to be untouchable. This is the paradigm-shifting love of God in Christ.
His love is so great that he draws near to us, makes intimate contact with the most profane and filthiest parts of us so that we can be transformed by him and cleansed by him. You are not too filthy for God's love. Your failures are not too great for God's transforming power. Your sins are not too many. The leper said, if you will, if you will. And the response of Christ was a resounding, I will. Will he forgive you? He will. Will he change you? He will. Will he remain with you? He will. Will he ever forsake you? He will not. Whether you're a Christian today or not, your life has areas that are in need of God's transforming love and his cleansing work that comes only through the shed blood of Christ. I know mine does. The good news is that if you call to him in faith, he will come. You will not walk alone. You will no more be isolated or rejected or the object of disgust. The good news is that if you call upon Christ to save and change you, he will save and change you. But the promise that comes with that can be really scary because you will be saved and you will be changed. Everything about you will be changed. You will be cleansed by Christ to become like Christ. Which means that Christ will not only be the Savior to whom you call on your knees in your darkest hour, but He will become your Lord and King to whom you desire to please and emulate at all times. And so let's look at the text to learn from Christ, to see how we can be like Him as His people. And the text begins like this. It says, And rising very early in the morning while it was dark, He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there He prayed. The demands upon Christ were great. He had crowds following him every day, and they had expectations of him. He had a ministry to fulfill that he had planned with the Father and the Spirit before the foundation of the earth. Yet in faith and humility and a desire for real communion with the Father, he got up early in the morning and went to a desolate place to pray. Church, if the Son of God and the King of Heaven needed to get up early to be alone to pray, I can assure you that you do too. Your routine doesn't have to perfectly emulate Christ's, but if you expect to live a faithful, joyful, and humble life in service of God and others, you must prioritize the disciplines of solitude, prayer, and dependence upon God for all of your needs. Because what happens next is Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to the towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So Christ came to earth to preach good news, to push back darkness, to meet the people who were looking for him. And in this account, filled with the confidence and energy and conviction of one who prays and knows the Father deeply, he is now ready to go and proclaim the good news of God and fight against these powers of darkness. So may we too, in the morning, leave our prayer closets and desolate places and go knowing that there are people who are looking for Christ and that it is our duty to show him. 
Let our days be full of proclaiming the goodness of God and pushing back the darkness in our midst, including intimately loving the unlovable and leprous ones in our midst. We do this when we're kind and loving and hospitable, when we're obedient to God's love. We do this when we forgive our friends and our spouses. We do this when we care for children and serve the suffering and sit with the mourning. But church, this work is hard. And it requires spirit-filled men and women who are confident in their relationship with God. Not because they have all the theological answers, but because they drip with the sort of godliness that comes from one who has spent time with God. We are formed by those with whom we spend time with. And so we ought to spend enough time with God to become like Him so that when people spend time with us, they might too become like Him and not like the leprous parts of us. Simon said to Jesus, everyone is looking for you. That's profound. And it's true. It was true then, and it is true today, and it's been true since Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden. Everyone is looking for Christ. They may not know it, but they're looking for Him. So let us make our lives ones that show them who He is and where He is to be found. After this portion of the text that we've just read, we see the account of Jesus healing the leper. And then he says to the leper after the healing, he says, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. So Jesus knows that the time for his ministry to come to its climax has not yet come. It, when we get to Mark 9, we'll see that, that Jesus reveals that, that that time is the resurrection. And so th- this is not the time. And so what he doesn't want is for crowds or for his disciples to try to dictate the nature of his ministry. And, and this man, this leprous man, disobeyed Jesus' commandment. Jesus told him to go and follow the Old Testament rites of purification, to go to the priest and to spend your seven days in isolation and to offer sacrifice for cleansing and for forgiveness of sins. This is what's required in Leviticus. The man would spend seven days outside of the camp and then he would bring sacrifices of animals both for cleansing and for the forgiveness of sins. But the disobedience of this new disciple leads to the crowds making Jesus unable to do the ministry he wanted to do in the town. He he was no longer able to fulfill his ministry in the towns. He was forced again to the desolate places. And yet even there, all the people were coming to him. Jesus begins this passage in a desolate place, seeking the Father in prayer while the people are looking for him and ends in a desolate place being sought by the crowds for his healing and for his message. What's interesting is that, that wrapped up in this story about Jesus healing a leper is that Jesus is depicted in ways like a leper. 
He chose to be alone and isolated and desperate outside the town in prayer before going into town to find one who had been alone, isolated, and desperate. Yet the leper refused to take the step of the the temporary exile for the purification of his leprosy. And his disobedience led to Jesus having to do that for him. He was sent to the desolate place in the place of the leprous man. He was forced into the desolate place. And so then we see that this story is actually about the work of Christ. Altogether, Christ was pleased and faithful to dwell in the heavenly places with the Father for eternity past before his incarnation. But the prayers of the saints and the sins of the people and the words of the prophets rose up into the heavens, constantly proclaiming that the people were looking for him. So he came down. And this is why he came down. To preach good news to the poor, to release the captive, to heal the sick, and to pour out the Spirit of God on all who would come to him in faith. To all who would say, If you will, heal me. And yet, even then, when he came down, the disobedience of the people also led Jesus into the most desolate place. Isolation from God the Father as God's wrath was poured on top of him as he died upon the cross outside of the city of Jerusalem at a desolate place called Golgotha. And it was here that Jesus fulfilled the purpose of his ministry. And as we sing regularly, Jesus Christ, the rock of ages, there on the cross became to sin the double cure. Like that which was sought for the leprous man, Christ saved from wrath and he makes us pure. And so now, people from every quarter of the earth are coming to him. They're coming to him to be forgiven and to be saved, and to be transformed into the kind of people who will know him and follow him in a life that often calls us into the desolate places. But there is good news still, that for those who have trusted in the blood of Christ, the most desolate place will never be your home. You may suffer in the wilderness for a season, but you will never be abandoned nor will you be isolated from God's love or considered unclean or unlovable ever again. So as we prepare to come to the table, I invite you to say, if you will, make me clean. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love that you have shown us in your Son. I pray that his beauty and his glory And his mercy would be to us as clear as light in a dark room. Would you give us the courage like the leprous man to proclaim faith and trust in this man Jesus about whom we may not know everything there is to know And where there's a risk of following him and and everything about our lives being changed, would you give us courage? Both those of us who have been following you for, for decades and for those who maybe have never taken that step of calling upon Christ, this morning I pray that you would show 
the glory and beauty of your love such that we would all come to you, to be fed by you, to be cleansed by you, to be healed by you, and to be called your own. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.